Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Well, hey there, Post Institute. This is Christy Saul, the co-founder, coming at you live for another episode of Post Daily Dose, the best little parenting show on the internet. And I'm going to plug this book real quick while folks are logging in. I've got this one in the car with me. Brian's book, From Fear to Love, that you can get on promotion at feartolovebook.com. Then, of course, we've got our other books, The Great Behavior Breakdown, and our new From Fear to Love workbook that you can pick up on our website, um, Post Institute. Um, I'm out in the world. Uh, I actually socialized for uh, the first time, <laughs> for the first time in almost a year. <laughs> um, wow, I'm kind of having a little... I guess uh, as I'm just saying it, I just hopped in the car and came to get on live. I knew I was going to be a little bit late. Honestly, it was a little hard to leave. Um, it was really enjoyable. I had my mask on and um, we were able to social distance, but I uh, got to see some people I hadn't seen in over a year and uh, it was really nice. Uh, you know, it's funny how you get so used to, like we made ourselves get used to being home alone and now trying to get out in the world a little bit creates a different kind of disruption. You know, it's like a disruption. At first I was really nervous and anxious. And then, um, once I realized kind of the vibe of things, then I was able to calm down a little bit. Definitely expanded my heart for just a lot, you know, that there's a phrase, uh, in the book from fear to love that, um, what is it exactly? Something, let me see if I can, it'll be a paraphrase, so it'll be a little off the mark, but uh, any new situation is deemed a threat until proven otherwise. And that is the case for all of us. For all of us, novel situations and novel events are threatening to us until it is proven safe for us. And so uh, the difference in how long it takes to feel safe for one person versus another person has to do with our experience and exposure and how much oxytocin we have in our brains. So, um, thank goodness I've been exposed to a lot of new environments in my lifetime, and I have a pretty good oxytocin supply. So, I was able to go into a situation that's novel and go through a process of adjusting, and it did. It actually took me about 15 to 30 minutes to just kind of be watching and seeing how people were conducting themselves to not be too freaked out about, you know, socializing, because we've really followed the mandates of um, quarantine in our house as best we've been able to. So anyway, sorry I'm late. Um, my conversation tonight, though, I want to have is about special needs or special adjustments. Um, there was a post that I shared, um, and it actually came from a really sweet friend of mine. She's, I think of her as a young mom, but I guess she's probably in her 30s by now. It's like, but I'm, then I'm like, that means I'm really old. Yeah, <laughs> that happens, doesn't it? But her post was really, what I shared was a post that said something about, I'm not a mom, I'm trying to remember, I'm not a mom of a child with special needs. My child doesn't have special needs. My child, uh, and you know, for those of you who follow our page, you know that there are health challenges or health, there's health obstacles that we climb over and there's mobility obstacles that we climb over and there's neurodiverse obstacles that we climb over. But the point of what my friend posted is that my daughter's needs are not special. Her needs to be included, her needs to have friends, her needs to be able to socialize, her needs for accessibility. Those are not special. In fact, every child has those same needs. 
what is different is the need for other people to adjust and accommodate. And I've been thinking about it all day. And I think about things that my daughter tells me, like, I'm not here to be anybody's inspiration. I just want to live my life, you know. So I'm mobile by wheelchair, big freaking deal. I don't walk, so what? I'm not here to be somebody's inspiration just because I'm trying to live a life and do things to be able to take care of myself and be as independent and out in the world as I possibly can in the ways that I enjoy. I get really... Sometimes I get really frustrated with the world. I'll be honest with you. And I bet you guys do too. It's not that my child's needs are special. They're not. She needs the same thing every other child needs. The special part is the adjustment that other people have to make in order to include her, in order to accommodate, in order for there to be accessibility. For children who have highly sensitive amygdalas, it's not that their needs are special. They need the same thing every other child needs. They need love and attention and they need friendship and they need activity and they need education. It's just that the systems in place may need to do special things to meet the needs of that child. And I'll tell you what, I get frustrated because it's not like this is new. You know, it's not like being in a wheelchair is a new thing in the world. Like, oh my God, it's just been in the last three years that wheelchairs have been invented because, you know, people have been in wheelchairs for a long, long time. And it, it, beginning in the 70s, they were even able to be in the public school system. But why are our public schools not physically accessible? Why do they put uh, a stage with stairs and no ramp? Why don't they plan for the fact that we have a diverse population and at any point there could be somebody in the school who might be mobile by wheelchair, might even be a teacher, might not just be a student, might be a parent. There are people in wheelchairs all over the place. Why don't we just go get ready for the fact that they might show up or our neurodiverse children? Why don't we just already plan for that possibility? Why don't we just offer headphones? Why don't we offer to meet to help the needs be met, help them to be able to be engaged with the rest of the group. Why do we always act like it's some big freaking surprise? That's the part that gets me. That's the part that frustrates me. The part that frustrates me is, and I guess we all do it. See, that's the thing. You know, I can get up here and I can rant and rave and be crazy about it. But the reality is we all have a hard time being able to recognize that not everybody's like us. <laughs> not everybody's like us. We just have a really hard time seeing past ourselves and really being able to take into consideration other people's experiences of living this life of being human. Even as parents, we can lose sight of the fact that especially, you know, when you're raising children, who may have been born from another mother or come from another family. Maybe they've had multiple home placements. And yet we lose sight of the fact that their experience of the world has been much different than ours. So this thing that we get so upset about people missing for our children or just like a lack of preparedness, a lack of like, you know, it's that, it's not, I don't always think it's like a discrimination where it's intentional. 
It's that unintentional lack of thinking about it. Like they just didn't think about it. And so the lack of thinking about it comes from the fact that we can all be very guilty of not recognizing that not everybody sees the world the same way we do. So rant over. <laughs> I hope that you guys take a little something from that just to kind of maybe ponder and scratch your head about, you know, maybe, um, maybe we can all, you know, one of the things I find myself really making commitments and being able to keep is when something really gets on me like that, like that whole, um, people not thinking about it, thinking about the differences and not being prepared for it. One of the things that I try to do when I recognize that big gap in humanity is to just make a personal investment, a personal investment in trying to be different, a personal investment in trying not to contribute any energy into that way of operating and really trying to invite myself to dig deeper. And I know even in digging deep, I know there's places I miss. I know I have big blind spots. I know I do. But maybe just that's the beginning. Maybe the place to begin is to say, you know what? I know I, just like I can get upset at the school because they have these big old blind spots that affect my child. Well, I'm sure I've got blind spots that affect people too. So what I can do is I can make a commitment to try to remove those blind spots, to even ask the universe, God, people around me to point it out and you know, point it out when one of my blind spots is showing that I don't notice. Help me grow. Help me grow so that I can begin to see ways that I maybe have disregarded people because I didn't consider that their experience of the world has been much different than mine and that if I can have compassion and empathy, I'm going to be able to see solutions better to help people be more included, to help people have more accessibility, um, to help people um, be able to find their path, whatever that path may be. So, um, yeah, I hope you guys are doing well tonight. I hope that whatever you've been doing today, at some point you set aside all your teaching or fussing or worries or anything that, that may have been heavy on your heart that you can just kind of press, press pause on those things and you make sure you spend that 32 minutes to an hour with your children and when you spend it in play and you give them permission to lead you're going to be able to gain more insight into how they experience the world you're going to grow your relationship they're going to feel the love that you have for them and we know that that love is good medicine for the heart and it's good medicine for the brain and I know at any given moment, we can act out of our blueprints of stress and fear and overwhelm. We can get very righteous in our upset feelings and our indignation about how we feel like people in the world are misunderstanding our children. I know we can flip a lid about a lot of things. We can take one to two to three deep breaths. And we can ask to find the most loving path to create more inclusion and that even starts right there in our own family. Much love to you guys. The more often we take those breaths and we choose love, the easier it becomes. I hope you guys have a blessed night. We'll see you all tomorrow.